What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Art Attack Show, where I, Josh Stifter, sit down with artists to discuss the hows and whys of what they do. Uh, I used to think that I was going to be a cinematographer in high school. In, you know, the, uh, the high school career aptitude test, I pushed to have my job come out exactly the right way so that it would say cinematographer. And that was the term I used was cinematographer all the time. Uh, I'm pretty sure after I was done, it actually came out saying I should be in management. At that time, I loved taking my camera and like just pointing it at things and looking around and analyzing the good and bad of every shot I took. Um, as I started to think more about the shots and how to set it up, I actually started doing more like animatics and drawing out the frames and really analyzing angles and stuff like that. And that just evolved into me giving up on filming and just animating it. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down with someone who not only chased the idea of finding great shots, but has turned it into a career and also never ceases to inspire me with the way he pushes himself towards self-improvement, uses uh, ideas like snapping photos, carrying a camera around, and just trying to find a shot in every given moment to post on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, working in different genres of films or even directing films for his own personal projects. I have with me today director of photography, Ben Enke. Why don't you introduce yourself, Ben? Uh, yeah, hey, uh, I'm Ben, and uh, I'm cinematographer here in, in Minneapolis, honored guest for this uh, this podcast. It's funny that you said cinematographer, because I always think of you as director of photography. Okay. Is there a difference between a cinematographer and a director of photography? I don't think so. At least no one's told me. Okay. <laughs> You just go with it. You yeah. just you just start filming and take whatever title. If if I was like, what do you want to be called on this on this shoot? What would you say? Honestly, I think it's interchangeable. Like sometimes I'm cinematographer and sometimes I'm uh, DP, and I feel like uh, I feel like that changes on every project. I don't think Does it I don't, really. I don't know if anyone really knows. I mean, in in Hollywood or on big budget films or in credits, it's always listed as director of photography. Exactly. I always saw director of photography as a more the storytelling when you're directing mm. the photography you're mm. sort of overseeing the whole thing it's more it doesn't necessarily just mean that you're setting up the camera and taking the cinematography mm. you're also talking with the director more and you're directing where the camera is going to go which is what I, when we work together on projects the nice thing with with Ben is we work together professionally 
on like actual with money. We, yeah, with actual money involved. <laughs> We've worked on fun projects that we just worked on together, like Chum. Ben was director of photography on Chum. Um, and we, I, I constantly am following your stuff as you're working on stuff. So we also have that. We're friends. We're actually friends who like to look at each other's work and stuff like that. Mm. So I guess we could start with just I don't didn't write this question down necessarily, but uh, what got you into it? Uh, oh, man. Uh, let's go back. Star Wars. Uh, yeah, definitely Star Wars for that. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, most people who know me know I like Star Wars a little bit, um, <laughs> and uh, it was just a. I remember watching it when I was five, and I would. I remember going downstairs to. Uh, my dad was watching The Empire Strikes Back, and it was the scene where uh, Darth Vader was coming into the uh, Echo Base on Hoth uh, with his cadre of stormtroopers. And the Imperial March was playing, and I just remember that moment. And that's it's. I joke sometimes, only half kiddingly, I think, that it's my first memory, because I don't really remember anything that happened before that. Yeah. But I remember it stuck with me, and uh, I was always fascinated by this world that we were sucked into, and um, it was just this cool universe to to hang out in for a couple of hours. And I thought that was really cool and really unique. And then I would start to watch more of like the behind the scenes. Um, when DVDs came out, they had all these different behind the scenes of movies and things. And I thought, man, that would be like really cool to do that for a living. It's funny though, because that's totally true. That uh, the DVD, I think it was like reinvigorating to the the film industry mm. because that behind the scenes was something that you would you'd only see if you had cable. And I didn't have cable as a kid. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I went to friend's house and they had HBO and stuff like that, I could watch. They'd show, like, in behind the scenes between movies. Mm. And that I loved that. My mom will always tell you that I watched Star Wars. She probably has seen the behind the scenes of Star Wars probably six or seven times herself. <laughs> um, not that I can think of. It was mostly Star Wars. I was just enamored by it. Sure. It led to me wanting to try it for myself. And so in high school is when I first tried to make a movie. Uh, it was this little uh, World War Two, World War One, sorry, World War One recreation that we had to make for a history class. Uh, we just kind of had to give an overview from start to finish of World War One, and so our video project kind of encapsulated everything from the beginning to the end of it. And it was five of us, I think, in our group. We bought all the props ourselves. It was just like this little handy cam thing, you know, it wasn't anything too fancy. And we just tried to make this this movie and it was a lot of fun trying to find out, find out different things that you could do to like create practical effects. And so like one of them, for example, we stole from Steven Spielberg, who would, if you put like a wooden two by four in the ground, and then you just throw a bunch of dirt on it. And then when someone steps on it and runs over it, it would go poof in the air and oh, you'd get like, these little like bullet hits uh -huh. in the ground and so things like that were always really fascinating and really interesting and uh i had a really good time making that that's funny that you were making these like <laughs> special effects thought out high school projects and yeah. we did the same thing we made movies in high school for every class if we could get away with making a movie for a class that's what we did yeah but it was always just the most comically stupid ridiculous thing possible like we did i remember we did one where we had to take a poem and make it into another art form then made it into a story instead of a poem mm -hmm. or some people turned it into a song and played a song obviously i made a movie 
the movie wasn't very good. It was basically we took the poem and we started it out in front of a fireplace. It was like a romantic poem. And we started out in a fireplace, a man like talking to a woman and telling this love, this like sonnet or whatever. And then the camera slowly pushed in on the woman as the man was talking. And it was an abrupt cut where you can tell we had cut, but we tried to make it as smooth. Maybe we crossfaded it slightly with like some shitty in-camera crossfade. <laughs> but then it crossfaded to, to her face again and close to the same position and then pulled out. They were in the in a bathroom for no reason at all, continuing the sonnet. And then it pushed in on the guy and then pulled back out and they were up on the roof of a house for no reason. <laughs> then it, it just kept, they kept doing that over and over again into these different places. And by the end, I think the man was standing there like in his underwear and the woman was just like holding a red rose and a shotgun or something. And it was just completely nonsensical. And I remember we played it for the teacher and the teacher just looked at us and was like, what grade are you guys expecting? Like, what did you think I was looking for? And the whole class the whole time is busting a gut laughing. They think it's hilarious. And they're like, this is a class. This isn't like your fuck off video. He didn't say fuck off. But he was like, this isn't your whatever videos. All right, Ben, we should let's get to the questions because I'm excited. I came up with some interesting ones for you. Okay. Hopefully. But we'll, we'll see how these, how these pan out. You mentioned that camera. So I'm going to jump to this question. What was the first camera you ever used and thought, Wow, I can make a nice shot with this. It would have been, oh man, we had DVX2, DVX100s at the U. Those were okay. I think everyone's kind of started on those. Uh, or everyone around my age, at least, probably started around those or a little older. Yeah. Um, first real camera, though, was a DSLR. It was a Canon 60D. Okay. And uh, then you were film when you started filming with that, you were just like, yes. I this is pretty. My shots are turning out the way I want them to. This is awesome. Uh, no, no, definitely uh, not. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, See, that's awesome because this is a total Ben answer because he's never satisfied with his his shots. You're always looking to improve. Yeah, I mean, you should be. And um, yeah, but 60D. I mean, it was the first time I'd been exposed to a camera that was. Uh, and, and it was the first time a lot of people in expo has been exposed to a camera that could allow you to get images that looked like they were a bigger budget than they were. Mm -hmm. And that depth of field, mm -hmm. uh, you could shoot them flat, so mm -hmm. then you can actually color correct them to mm -hmm. look cinematic and crush the blacks and whatnot. Yeah, and so the, that DSLR revolution was really where I started. Um, and it was it wasn't shooting anything really cool or fancy. It was a lot of uh, I did a lot of work for school, like groups at the U of M, okay. where I went to college, and uh, a lot of stuff like that. Not really any films or anything like that, though. Yeah, because you started, just as, as a background, I don't know if I said this before, but Ben has worked in, like, every medium. You've worked in features, shorts, promos, weddings, like, you do it all. Mm. It's impressive, because a lot of people do get, like, pigeonhole it into like these specific things that they're good at mm. and you just like look to branch out to everything and find a way to put a style into it all that is very specific to you without the digital revolution would you still have gone this direction or did that help you push into it and go like oh yeah this is possible yeah that's interesting because i th i feel like it became more accessible for a lot of us oh yeah and the 
the traditional sort of journey to becoming a cinematographer was always you work your way up from the bottom. And so you start maybe as uh, a runner for like a news station and then you become maybe a camera op and then maybe someone refers you to someone else and you become like a camera PA on a feature film set and then in a second AC or a clapper loader and then a first AC and then you kind of work your way up from the bottom. Yeah. And that was kind of the traditional path, I think, for a lot of people coming up and i think the new path i mean there isn't any there's so many new paths now and there's so many ways to do it so many directions to go but besides film then do you have any other mediums as a dp that you look to for inspiration photography yeah a lot of photography photography. ben is he posts on instagram i'm not a photographer though the instagram thing is so funny and you know you have a ton of followers on instagram i think and you have a big social media following and it's it's just such a funny thing where it, it's, I'm not posting to Instagram to like, some people post to social media because they need like the dopamine boost. Yes. You know, and yeah. they, they need like the, the reassurance of like, I need to open my phone and see that 10 people liked my post. Yeah. yeah. I know? don't even, I don't even look at that. I have people tell me like, dude, you got 400 posts or likes on that post. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. And I, I got this, this uh, Fujifilm camera uh, mostly because I wanted something to replace my DSLR and be something that was a little easier to kind of walk around with and I had seen a lot of people who had shot with it and I liked the color science and all that and uh, and then it sort of came with this built in massive cult following on Instagram of people who are like I need to know how you shoot these and then sure. I, I go ahead and tell them like well most of my stuff is set on auto because I don't really know how to use the camera because I'm not a photographer, so it's like I set it on auto, and then I like edit it in Viscocam, and then I just tweak sliders until I like it. There's no, there's no science to it. It's no. just a kind of fun. But the thing is, is that's uh, that's not why you're doing it, though. You're not doing it to make beautiful photos. You're doing it to set up shots, right? I mean, that's how I've always looked at it. Is it's you're looking at it from the mentality of learning angles, learning different lighting techniques. Certainly, yeah. It's it's a good viewfinder to have with me all the time. Uh, I wasn't actually expecting that to be a thing, um, but it helps on set too. Uh, it helps speed that process up. It helps when I'm doing real run and gun stuff, uh, like events and weddings. It helps to find like that light and find those frames really quick. Do you think do you think that you have a theme or like a specific style that you're intending to bring to a project when you start working on it? I don't think we ever intend to bring it to a project. I think it's just something that happens. Um, I've, I've, man, I've heard this discussion a lot lately about like style and voice and, and trying to find your voice and trying to uh, discover what you're trying to say when you're creating images. And it, it, it's the, the discussion and the, the conversation is usually when I'm working with different directors who have different styles, like how do I bring my style to their style? Like, how does that match? Like, and a good example of that is I like to shoot, I prefer to shoot uh, very natural light or uh, amplified natural light and uh, usually handheld. And I will, f- one of my more frequent collaborators, Andrew Hunt is very much a director who uh, likes very carefully controlled frames. Um, definitely loves, uh, sticks and dolly movements and, and nice controlled environments and controlled frames and 
uh, it's just such a change of pace for how I work. But he also loves work. natural light like you do too, like you do. So I think there's this nice combo with the light that you guys have really found mm-hmm. how you, the two of you work together with light. When I worked with you on Chum, it was very, it teetered on run and gun. You used a shoulder rig. It was very handheld and just what is the emotion we need right now from this character? Where do we set it up? Like, how do we do it? The animatic was just a, a basis. And then what Ben brought to the table was this ability to say, we should be in a little tighter than you even think because we need to make this emotion sell or let's really drop it down into like we're a worm on the ground and it'll make us feel like we are really lesser than this man. Mm. I, I think I definitely see your style still like in Chum. I see the things that you brought to the table in it mm. and which is what I love about oh, I love that about it yeah. but I also found as I was working with you you differ from a lot of the other DPs that I've worked with in that you definitely are willing to oblige some insanity every once in a while and just go with it you know what I mean there's yeah. a lot of I haven't worked with that many directors of photography but Maybe you are a little bit more in tune with the community. Do you think that there there's this almost stubbornness from some following the rules of film as opposed to just like doing what needs to be done to make the shot right? I certainly think that egos come into play a lot. Um, and I think that's true of, of directors and DPs and and kind of most creatives in general, probably. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, for one, it's, you, you can't really have one especially as a DP, you can't have an ego about your work. Uh, it has to be an evolved collaboration between a director and you and what you're trying to accomplish. You can't just say, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, unless someone is giving you that control, which is very rare, and I almost don't like that. Um, but Wait, all the time, it's it's an evolving collaboration. Personally, where do you like the director to be? Like, what is what is the perfect director to you? A perfect director needs to have two things. They, I need to know what they want. And they have to have a vision. I don't necessarily, like, what direction that vision goes in, I don't necessarily, I'm not tied to one or another. Um, I just want to know that you have one. Sure. Um, that's the first thing. And you need to know how to communicate that. Um, you need to know how to show that or tell me what you're thinking in some way, whether that's working through storyboards and shot lists or whether that's going through lookbooks and visual references from other films or just taking the script and talking it out over like coffee or beer. Sure. Like, I need to know, you need to be able to communicate what you're looking for. And I need to know that because then when we get on set, it becomes the director is is pulled in 10 different directions and they're getting called to look at wardrobe and they're trying to figure out blocking and they're trying to get talent to get a certain emotion and a certain performance and then something horrible is happening somewhere else because that's inevitable on set Mm -hmm. that something goes wrong and so there's always so many different things and then at that point i'm the only person still who still has that clear vision of the director in, in, in my head and so i still have to be the one to interpret that and when the director has forgotten that almost um and so that pre-production and that process beforehand becomes very important. Second thing that I think a good director needs to have is an ability to create a, foster a creative environment where everyone feels like they can contribute some sort of ideas. Um, I think a lot of people say that a director needs to like know all the answers and like needs to have you the one with all the answers to every question. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah, I am. 
I actually hate that. I mean, I don't like that mentality. Mm. I, For me personally, I can't direct that way. Mm. I cannot say, like, this is the way it's going to be. And I do a lot of pre-production, obviously. I love, even on short things like Chum, I have to have a full animatic. Mm. I have my shot list. I have everything figured out beforehand so that in my head I know what I I know what the story is. If a, if a director needs to sell an emotion, yes, the actor is important to sell that emotion. Um, you're not going to get a performance without that performance being there. But the DP is just as important to selling an emotion. So, which is why, like, I constantly am asking whoever is running the camera, like, how does this feel scary? Or does this feel funny? Or does this feel stupid? Like, when you instantly look at it, that's how it should feel. And that's how simple it is. Like, that's as simple as it needs to be. It's like... What do you think? Mm-hmm. And it's... What like, is your gut reaction right now? What is your instant... Because that's what the mm. person watching it is going to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to have an instant reaction. They're not going to be analyzing it like we do. They're not going to be overthinking it. But obviously, that's specific to my style of movie, the kind of crazy, fun, keep it going. Mm. You work in so many different mediums and so many different styles. You do short films, features, weddings, promos sports videos i saw on your website you do tons of stuff of all of these things what's your favorite thing to work on like let me reflect let me rephrase that actually just a little bit what's your favorite um in regards to what do you like the experience of the most it's got to be narrative okay it's just the most fun it's it is the ultimate collaboration of of so many different artists and people coming together to make something like i mean it's everything it's it's writing it's art it's it's technical it's it's the collaboration of everything and i think that process is just really fun it's my favorite part about why we make movies it's just you get to work with some of the coolest people and that's definitely you get most of that when you're working in a narrative environment with about uh, big crews and big casts and a lot of people so do you prefer stuff with quicker turnaround tighter turnaround like short films features they're all fun they're all um, fun yeah short films are great um i've only done a couple of like i've only i i've only done a couple of true features one of them i did uh was kind of broken up over the course of like a year and so it, like we would shoot for like a week and and then wait for the seasons to change and, and okay. shoot for another week and so i don't really count that one as like a true future experience and so i've really really, only really done a couple but it's just it's fun going into the trenches with people and making some cool stuff i for some reason i just assume and i I could totally be wrong you correct me i always assume that especially the features you worked on were very frantic like (laughs) how so just because they were pretty quick turnarounds right i mean you didn't have a lot of time to shoot a lot of footage Mm. um the short films I mean, some of them are, I've been on sets for some of them and they were like, whoa, there's a lot happening in a very short amount of time. Mm. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's all kind of the same. It's all crazy. It's all crazy every (laughs) time. (laughs) That's funny. Um, let's see. What was, where was I going to go with that? Okay. So then for you, you love the narrative stuff. What would be your dream project what is the the project you'd love to get on i don't know because gareth edwards already did two of them uh 
I, I, there's there's three movies. Jane S knows this. There's three movies I always wanted to do when I was a kid growing up. If I, I was like, oh man, if I made movies, this, this is what I would do. I wanted to do a Godzilla film. Yep. I wanted to do a war, like a Saving Private Ryan style Star Wars film, and I wanted to do a Mortal Kombat film. Okay. Like a darker, like cooler version of Mortal Kombat, not like the cheesy. Yeah, not like the old horrible. More like that little. They did like a trailer. Like they did a, a whole web dark, series. Yeah, they did the web. The web series kind of came out a little bit sillier than that that trailer was. Mm. But uh, yeah, the web series was fun. Uh, so those are like the three dream projects. They to, were. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they now were. What now? Where <laughs> oh, would you man. go? Would you or would you want to like do that if they were like, hey, Ben, we're doing another Godzilla. It's yours. Would that be like a dream project? Honestly, like it's any project is cool at this point as long as it's with like the right people. Sure. It just I just want to work with the people that I work with now and and continue working with cool people. And I don't really know what a dream project right now would look like. Um, it's. Yeah, it's just every project becomes unique in its own way and in ways that you don't expect. And uh, just being open to that has been really fun doing so many different types of short films, especially this year. Uh, This year, I think I've shot more than any year already, and it's only uh, May. Oh, wow. And uh, I mean, I've shot this year already horror and drama and semi like romance drama and uh all sorts of different types of projects and and they always become something that you're not really sure what it's going to become when you're just reading the script and um just being open and embracing of what that project could be is uh you never really know yeah i definitely got that from you working on Sean that it was so you went into it like this is the most insane thing ever. This is such a strange project, and you just like embraced the craziness of it and mm. let your let your own personal creativity kind of fly mm. and and try to find the emotion of the moment and stuff like that. Uh, okay, so we're coming close to the end. We're actually over time, but <laughs> that's okay. No big deal. I have to ask this question. Yeah, you can go back in time and talk to yourself for just like one minute. Right now, he knows you're coming. This is like between 12 and 15. That's what I've been telling people is they between 12 and 15 year old Ben Henke. He knows you're coming and you get one minute to talk. So he's not going to be like, ah, it's Ben Henke from the future. Like you call yourself Ben Henke. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what, what do you tell him? Don't give up. Honestly, like it's, it's so, it is, we have the best job ever, honestly. And I truly believe that there is no better job in the world to be making movies, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not stressful. Yeah. I think some people who, I think there are people who think, oh, it's just like really fun. You get to like make movies for a living. And it's like, yeah, it is. It's, it's really fun. But like any job, it's also very stressful and Especially when you are freelancing and trying to, and, and you don't have a steady income and you don't have um, something to rely upon all the time and you're constantly searching for work and you're constantly fielding different projects and trying to <clears throat> trying to 
make a living and keep the lights on and uh, hopefully provide for a family someday. And it's, it's stressful and it's easy to say like, man, I'm, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And it's easy to look at yourself in the mirror and look at kind of the projects you've done and feel like you're not making as much progress as you'd hope. And it's, it's easy to just want to say, I just don't know if this is going to work out. Like, I don't know where this is going to go. And, and that's scary, but you have to keep at it because that's the progress and that's the journey that you need to go on to discover who you are as an artist and who you're, what your voice is and what you're trying to say and what you're trying to tell the world with what you're doing. And you're the only person who can do that. Like there's no shortcuts, there's no cheat codes to figuring out your path as an artist. It's just something you have to do. Yeah. That's, I love the fact that you brought up that, uh, it's easy to look back and not feel like you've made as much progress as you think you should. Mm -hmm. Whereas I guarantee you, if you told 12 year old or 13 year old you that you are a director of photography and you've made feature films and you've made (laughs) short films and you show him your reel, that that 12 year old would be like, what? That's so rad. (laughs) Like that's nuts. But we, we look at things retrospectively incrementally like in increments we don't look at Mm. it like the whole picture of how Mm. much we've done we just look at it in like man i really thought i'd get more done in the last six months or i'd get more done in the last year or i really thought i'd be doing a star wars movie at this age you know what i mean Mm. but the fact is that's that's not as impressive as the fact that you did it like you're doing it you're actually pushing forward with it and um you also brought up the point of stress And that's what we're going to talk about on the next episode of this. I want to go into this idea of like the stress on the set. Mm. Um, We're going to end it here at the half hour mark. This has been awesome, Ben. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh... Any any films? Any? I know. uh... You go for it. You plug. I was going to plug for you for some reason. I have nothing to plug right now. I know there's there's stuff coming out. I'm just patiently waiting for stuff to come out. Miles Between Us. Yeah. Yeah, Miles it, Between Us is out. You have a feature called Miles Between Us that mm-hmm. that's coming out soon. Um, Level, Andrew Hunt's film, is finally done after 10 years of not being finished. And multiple multiple <laughs> name changes. <laughs> because when you said Level, I'm like, what is that? What's that yeah, one? Yeah, you've, um, pl- you've got plenty of stuff that's out there. Search, you're on IMDb and whatnot. Search yeah. for Ben Anke. He's got good stuff. And you have a website as well. What's your website? It's benanke.com. It's easy peasy easy to remember. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on the show, Ben. Thanks for having me. I've been Josh. I've been Ben. Don't let your meat low, folks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.